0: Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now here's your host, Damian Mason.
1: Hey there, thanks for joining us for another fantastic episode of Extreme Acts Cutting the Curve. We're talking about reduction of inputs. You know, this has been a common theme. We've hit on it a number of times if you're keeping up with the content we're putting out there. And it's not because we have nothing else to talk about. It's because it's the thing we should be talking about. There's going to be environmental reasons for this. There's going to possibly be regulatory issues that we have to face. There's also going to be a big push for this from the farm bill to the companies we deal with. And so if we're ahead of the curve, and that's what we're talking about here with cutting the curve, um, all the better. Also, let's talk about money. Reduction of inputs and not sacrificing yield or even better yet, Boosting yield, it's a good thing for your bottom line. Kelly Garrett is all about reducing inputs on his farming operation. And he's got, uh, in fact, he was uh, a guest in the booth of the company that we got here today, Sound Ag, at Commodity Classic. They called it a fireside chat. And it was all about reduction of inputs. So I guess let's just toss it to you, Mr. Garrett. Reduction Thank of inputs. Reduction of inputs. its It's been a thing And there's the environmental part of it, but there's also the bottom line, money.
2: Yes. And that's why I I really feel that this sustainability story needs to be told from a farmer angle. Increasing my ROI and being, being more sustainable really goes hand in hand. I want to find the best ways I can to get more efficient, to raise more with less. And source is a big part of that for me. Where I can reduce my synthetic nitrogen, potentially reduce my synthetic phosphorus, and increase the ROI by doing that, by using the source, by, uh, you know, using Mother Nature. The soil we have in Iowa is pretty special. And there's a lot of fertility in there. We just have to figure out how to balance it and get out of the way.
1: Uh, By the way, you said something really interesting in the previous recording we did. I talked about depleted soils and you said, I'm not sure that there's uh, depleted soils are as much of an issue as out of balance soils. And this is going a different direction than just sustainability, but maybe it's not. The point is sustainability in our vernacular, we think sustainability means more and more production of output with less and less input of natural resources, right? And if you're always thinking i've got to fertilize the hell out of this field because it, the last guy mined it and you're saying maybe it's not no. really mined maybe it's not really depleted maybe it's just out of balance so i want you to give me your take then we're going to go to jeff Diven cuz after all he's the
2: agronomic guy here so i believe uh, years of tillage and erosion and synthetic fertility and things like that or the wrong kind of fertility we we have farmers have always been taught that we need to build the soils well, that building of the soil has thrown it out of balance. And the ratios that it's all about balance and the ratio is important. I'm trying to think of a simple way to explain it. Carbon to nitrogen. I need seven parts carbon for one part nitrogen. My soil is releasing so much nitrogen. I'm way short of carbon. That's out of balance. Phosphorus to zinc. I need 10 parts phosphorus for every one part zinc. And I don't have enough zinc. Those things. Farmers are always worried about N, P, and K. We need to worry about calcium, we need to worry about zinc, we need to worry about copper, we need to worry about co- carbon, we need to worry about hydrogen. Nobody ever talks about those things. We need to worry, they always talk about N, P, and K, what about all the other things we're forgetting? And if we put those in there, and we balance the soil, the soil is not depleted, the soil is out of balance. It's a. De- it, but when a farmer talks about depletion, or like you talk about a large farmer raping the soil, everybody's always talking about N, P, and K. Right. They got to remember the other nutrients that I just named. That's what we're depleted on. That's what's out of balance. So I guess you could say, Damien, that it is out of it. It is depleted, but it's not from the perspective those people are talking about. It's the hydrogen, the carbon, the calcium. It's all those other things that have to be understood. It's a complete program. It's not just NP and K.
1: We should finally let our special guest talk. He's the director of agronomy for Sound Ag, but he's also a Northern Iowa farmer. Uh so let's face it we just heard it from Kelly Garrett Iowa soil is quite special do you really even need to be an agronomist to to grow stuff in Iowa come on jeff his name's jeff divin <laughs> and uh i want to go ahead and toss it to him yeah d- despite the myth that you can uh, spill a bag of seed
3: corn and grow 200 bushel of corn here it's uh, it's not quite that easy um I think there's a lot of of good comments to build on uh, so far here from from both of you and and that is that no matter you know how sufficient or or deficient a soil is we have to think about the mechanism that matters which is getting those nutrients into a plant right so solving for some of the chemistry and and what nutrients exist is only part of the equation and we have to really rely on the relationship between the plant and the soil which a lot of that gravitates around microbes in the rhizosphere of getting those nutrients into a plant. So sometimes it's interesting, a sustainability story, it could be uh, not spending a dime on fertilizer, but spending some money on lime, right, to get that balance in the soil and actually get those nutrients into the plant. So if we focus on just that and, and getting the most mileage out of what's there, we have to think about really firing up that system and, and creating a soil that's delivering nutrients to the plant. Uh, and, and through points made here, a lot of the farming methods over the last 100 years in this area have kind of created a soil that responds to the addition of synthetics, and then we find a way to, to get just enough of them out to produce a decent crop. But instead, we can leverage that soil, uh, whether it be through some, some healthy practices on, on the farm of reducing tillage or even just placing nutrients in an area where they're going to be extracted by that plant growing and then fire up the soil biology with a product-like source. So the more that we get that plant feeding microbes with sugar, 40% of the sugar created by photosynthesis ends up below ground. We feed that biology. Well,
1: well, well. I like it when they toss out, by the way, (laughs) I'm jotting down notes. I really am. Uh, I like Kevin uh, Kelly's seven parts carbon to one part nitrogen because he's the carbon dude. I like that a lot. What'd you just say? Forty percent of nitrogen formed by photosynthesis does what? the The sugar produced in photosynthesis. So
3: that's that's the output of of taking in that carbon and sunlight. So it ends up below ground, and some of that is to develop new roots. Obviously, roots are accessing nutrition, but it's also uh, released with root exudates to feed microbes. So the economy that kind of uh, starts to develop in that root system is plants will, will excrete sugar, an energy source, and then microbes in that vicinity take that on as energy. And they'll do really neat practices and, and processes like fix atmospheric nitrogen into a plant-available form, nitrate form. They will solubilize uh, insoluble forms of, of phosphorus, which we always want more of in our plants. So in a high pH environment, phosphorus can actually uh form a bond with calcium so calcium phosphate is essentially bone right we're not going to get bone into our plant unless it's acted upon and and created a soluble version and that all takes microbes that are fed by uh, carbon in the soil a lot of that comes from plants
1: he threw a lot of stuff at us right there kelly um and and he said he was all springing that off of what we just talked about go back to the sustainability thing uh you're using less stuff this year. We're heading into crop season 2023. You're going to use less stuff per acre than you ever have, and you're not going to sacrifice any yield. Or not 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 per acre. You're using less stuff per
2: bushel than you've ever done, and it's not because you're losing yield. Am I right? Well, I would say we're losing using less stuff or nitrogen per acre and per bushel than we've ever done. We turned our anhydrous rec down probably. across the whole farm. It's a variable rate, uh, variable rate prescription. So it's a little bit of an estimation, but we've turned it down approximately 15% across the whole farm. And so, yes, we're going to be more efficient with nitrogen, but also I expect to have a yield bump because of it, because I'm bringing that carbon to nitrogen ratio into line.
1: So by the way, dear listener or viewer, we recorded about this very subject with Uh, Mike Evans and Kelly Garrett. And we talked about variable rate nitrogen, which is something that almost nobody's, I've never heard anybody doing it. And they talked about is absolutely where we need to be going with this because nitrogen's got a bullseye on it right now, right? Mm -hmm. It's the the thing now, nitrogen, nitrous oxide, nitrogen emissions, all that. Um, And so you're using less of it through variable rate application, but also because as you uh, say, The holy grail of uh, American agriculture is grow more corn. And if you're going to do that, you've got to throw the nitrogen to it. And you're saying, no, that's old fashioned thinking.
2: It is. You know, now that I've learned more about balancing the soil learn more about, you know, trying to get these ratios to come into line uh, at the levels of fertility that we're at in our no-till system, at the yield levels we're at. More nitrogen isn't going to make more yield. Now, we could put more nitrogen out there if we add more carbon and add more micronutrients, but it would be much more uh, much more financially prudent to turn down the nitrogen a little bit and add some carbon, add more micros and, and try to achieve that balance. And it, you know, it's infinitely variable. There isn't like there's one black and white answer to this. Every square foot of soil is potentially different. We're always looking for the improvement. That this is a journey, not a destination. And there is not one answer per acre there. There's one answer per every square foot, maybe. And obviously we can't manage that tightly yet, but we're just looking for improvements. And we're, we're making, we made them last year with source. I believe we'll make them again this year with source in an even bigger way. Yeah. He keeps talking about
1: source. That's a product you're wearing the hat. So a person listening to this right now, uh, Jeff Diven sitting in his office Just give you a little background, if you're listening to the audio and not watching the video, Kelly, very well put together today, you know, pressed shirt. I'm wearing a plaid shirt because I want to look like a farmer, but it's the Pearl Snap kind of a, it's almost like a cowboy farmer shirt. And I should point out, if I wanted to emulate my boss, the sleeves would be cut off because I would look like Kelly. I would be going around sporting my guns. There's an old thing in corporate that if you want to get promoted, you should dress like your boss. And subliminally, you're just sucking up to the boss. And all of a sudden, he or she thinks, oh, I really like that. I really like that Jeff guy. He dresses just like me. Anyway, then there's Jeff. Um and he's probably, he's got like a, a sweatshirt on, uh, unshaven. I, I'm just going to guess probably under the, he's probably wearing Crocs. I could see right now that he's probably wearing pajama pants and Crocs right now. So clearly he didn't dress for the occasion, but he does have some pretty farm machinery prints behind him uh, on his left shoulder, yeah, sitting there in his farm office. I don't even know what question I was going to ask you. I just got carried away about what we all look like right now, Jeff. But I thought it was important for the person driving right now to hear that. Yes, yes. I will uh,
3: – I'll take us back on track here and talk about what source is. Uh, as now One, we'll one, person,
1: one person here actually yeah. needs to actually yeah. stick with the subject at yeah. hand, right?
2: Jeff, right. for the people that yeah, watch – you- the- Jeff, if I can interrupt, would you agree for the people listening that Damien looks like when he gets off this podcast? He's going to go to a costume party dressed as Roy Rogers. Uh,
3: <laughs> yes, I think that is that is very accurate. And he was adamant that uh, that you and I couldn't leave to uh, to dress in anything different. So he wanted to make yeah. sure that we have. I this, think this uh, is actually.
1: Up- I think this is actually a bull riding shirt, and I think we should all do a thing. Raise your hand if you were ever on a collegiate uh, rodeo team. Oh wait <laughs> only me only me and by the way dear listener if you're saying oh man that damien guy he's pretty rugged i thought he's a comedy background that's true and i probably should have been a rodeo clown versus an actually rodeo writer i rode four bulls uh in my entire career uh and then uh and then i decided this is a really good way for some dairy farm kid to like uh, get hurt. And I'm talking about hurt down there where it could really hurt you bad and like mess it up to where all of a sudden you're singing soprano. And I didn't want that to happen. So anyway, let's go to Jeff Diven. What is this product Source? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Source is, is a
3: fully applied chemistry, of a product that we make. It's very easy to use, goes on about uh, an ounce per acre. And what it's doing is it is activating that really important soil biology below ground uh, and signaling it to become active and increase its metabolism and deliver all those very important soluble nutrients we need in our plant uh, that, that come from the soil, in either in organic form or mineral form. So firing up that engine, acting as a caffeine source uh, with a really unique uh, a product that we created to stimulate that biology. Uh,
1: by the way, that's a cool thing. And we used to always talk about these kinds of products were, were you know, not proven they were snake oil and all that. We're in a new era. We're in a completely new arena of this. There's a bazillion different companies out here that are doing this, but it seems like we really got past the threshold of, um, uh, acceptability. Now it's just a matter of let's really put these things out here and look at what they're doing. Um, uh, soil health gets a lot of attention but soil biology is a comp- is a critical component of that that we're still i think at the very precipice of understanding like we're just like we're just we're like, we're, we're like this far in we're like an inch into this am i right yeah kind of reminds me of our
3: uh, our understanding of the ocean right we we don't know nearly as much about the depths of the ocean as we do about uh, things like our atmosphere and outer space so uh, it we might know more about Mars than we know about our soils in Iowa, to be honest. Potentially, yeah. Because what, what we sometimes think about is, is biology, right, is this maybe biological market that exists where we culture a single strain or maybe a few strains of bacteria or some type of a microbe that is beneficial. We culture a couple of those strains and then we apply them to the field. Uh, but what's really going on is everyone's field, and, and like Kelly and I sitting here in Iowa, We have hundreds and thousands of species of of those bacteria and those microbes sitting in our soil ready to work. We've just kind of created this system with modern day farming practices where the abundance of nutrition and fertility has kind of rendered a lot of those uh, microbes dormant. So if a plant is not stressed, it is not in a natural setting releasing any of these specialized compounds to attract soil biology and get nutrition from that soil. So we've kind of just been self-selecting for lazy microbes is a, a way I like to put it um, instead of actually leveraging their power and getting the important and the beneficial ones in higher populations.
1: <clears throat> Kelly, you're, how many different biology, biologicals have you, did you trial last year?
2: Uh, is it safe to say a dozen? Oh, yes. You know, I, uh, I have said now lately or have developed the opinion That agronomy is chemistry plus biology. And it's a huge hot button word or buzzword term in our industry now to talk about biology. And that's what we're almost here talking about today. Source isn't biology, but it stimulates the biology. But this is a perfect example of what I mean by chemistry plus biology. And the biology is not gonna work unless you have the chemistry correct. And I like chemistry because it's math, it's black and white. So when I talk about the balance of the soil, When I talk about the ratios, when I talk about seven parts carbon to one part nitrogen, that's chemistry, and Source isn't going to work unless you get your chemistry right. And when you get your chemistry right and you apply a product like Source, the ROI is big. And that's perfect example, Jeff. I didn't even think about from that perspective until Jeff said that. That's exactly what I mean, and it's a great example. Jeff,
1: I um, I was an intern. I was an intern for a chemical company way back when. Uh, we've been using chemistry for a long, long time. I was raised on a farm where I went out there and, you know, filled the sprayer. Uh, but I, and I, I'm not a wacky organic tree hugger, but I'm going to tell you, I think we've absolutely overused chemistry for everyone's lifetime that's on this call right now. We've overused chemistry because it was a fairly, it was sold to us um, and it was a fairly affordable, you could usually justify the return. Are we finally to the point where it's like, this is like where we, we hit that peak and it's like, yep, way less, way less. Are we going to just keep decreasing our amount of chemistry? Potentially.
3: I mean, I think there's, there's power right in, or at least in the types of chemistry used use to try to get multiple benefits from them. So I think of, you know, even just to take it back to source for a second while it is still the chemistry instead of adding, you know, cultured microbes <laughs> where you have a single strain doing a single purpose uh, we've seen in our research from source that we're actually, actually activating several hundred different species of microbes with one chemistry. So I think it's maybe just getting more utility and more mileage out of what you are applying. Um, so things like, you know, even on the source side, we just did some neat work around uh, mycorrhizal fungi. So they are a really beneficial organism that can actually colonize on the root. And when they do that, they almost act as a new root here, an extension of the root. They can pull in nutrition from a bigger area. So what you don't get from adding, you know, a single strain of, of a biological is influence into the broader spectrum of soil biology and just creating that healthy ecosystem underground.
1: You've used the word health and healthy a bunch and soil health is a huge buzzword. It has been for the last couple of years. I think it's bastardized. I've logged on. I've seen stuff on social media where somebody's out there with a, uh, you know, a, a seventh pass of tillage talking about the importance of soil health. And I'm like, uh, has anybody told you what excess tillage does to soil structure? Anyway, soil health is, I think this new thing where it's kind of like sustainability became a buzzword for 10 years. Soil health for the last two years has become a soil health, soil health, but we at extreme ag very soon are going to be rolling out a soil health initiative. And Kelly's got a lot, uh, a lot to share with that Someday we'll be sharing a lot about this, but when you think about soil health, um, what what what's your first thing, Jeff Diven, director of agronomy? What's okay. the first thing when you think of soil
0: health?
3: Yeah, when when I think of soil health, I think it's a system that delivers back to me more than I put in, right? It is an organism; it's alive. It should be something that contributes to the system. So when I think of soil health, uh, I think of you know this very high valued land that we have out here between Kelly and I from. You know, twelve to twenty five thousand dollars an acre. It is more than a you know. Are you bragging?
1: Wait, wait, wait. wait. Was that what (laughs) they call like a subtle brag? Well, you know. I mean, gosh, like when you're as good as me, you. I mean, was that a subtle brag?
3: Not a not a subtle brag. Actually, the opposite. The opposite, if anything, Uh, the unfortunate situation we're in of having uh, that uh, that environment. But but I mean, in all seriousness, it's. It's an asset that's underutilized, right? It's not just a place to go plant a corn crop. It actually delivers back and should give you more than you put into it. And if it's not, it's it's unhealthy, right? I think that's something it's the rubber band or or whatever it might be that doesn't bounce or snap as far back as is, is where you can throw it. And if it's not doing that and everything is is out of whack, um, then I think that's where to me, I, I kind of assign and apply the word healthy versus unhealthy.
2: Really? Yep. Soil health means a lot of things to a lot of different people. What's it mean to you? It means the balance. Uh, Again, the chemistry plus the biology. When we bring the chemistry and the balance, the biology comes around and the biology acts appropriate. And that's when special things happen from a yield perspective, you know, and like earlier, you're talking about, you know, the Iowa soil is special and things like that. It is, you know, and and I believe you know, the ability to make a living in Iowa and things like that relative to, say, what Matt has to go through in Arkansas or Chad and Alabama, you know, like Jeff said, we can throw the seed on the ground and plant backwards and raise 200 bushel corn. So relative to what those guys have to do, uh, yeah, it, it, it can be a bit easier here. But in my opinion, what we're learning about the soil and how special it is, we're a long way from reaching the potential because we just don't know and we just don't understand the soil and my number one priority now is to to uh, again achieve that balance from a chemistry perspective then the biology comes into the biology then comes into focus and acts appropriate if you will and and that's when the uh that's when a special thing will happen from a yield perspective that's what soil health means to me
1: i think that um uh, the products like you're talking about have a real um uh... You know,
2: application
1: moving forward, and we might not even be. We, we, this might be first gen kind of stuff. Am I right, Jeff? Uh, that this is like first gen, and we're going to even look back like we might look back and say we over chemistried. We actually worked against our soil for a long time. We went out there and kept thinking we had to kill stuff versus let stuff live. And then now we're on the era of biology, and we're going to say, okay chemistry, biology, you know, that's what agronomy is, according to Kelly, then we're going to say, man, that first gen biology, that second gen biology, now look where we are. Am I right? Yeah, I I definitely think so. I mean, it's always
3: easier to solve problems you can see, right? And and we've focused a lot on problems that are above ground, because, because we can see them and we can react to them. So I think where this really heads is starting to solve some of those problems that we can't see. And whether that be through you know, different modes of action, different technology, there's a lot of neat stuff in the pipeline. I really think it goes back to Live la, Law Law, the minimum, which we've all seen the barrel staves and the very dramatic short stave where the water is pouring out, right? Uh, typically, that's not something that has been easy to solve, because the easy things that we can, you know, we can turn the dial when we're putting on nitrogen, we can turn the dial on P and K pretty easy, because everybody's retailer and co-op spreads the products. But the micronutrients, or even some of just the plant resilience type uh, mechanisms, those are the truly the short staves on the barrel. And if we can start to solve for them, we level up the whole system. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to start to solve some of those problems that are not easily seen and kind of below ground, or whether they're just within the plant and we can't
1: solve them because we don't know what the problem is. We're talking about stuff that's next level. Isn't it interesting to say everybody on this call that, and then the people listening? are obviously forward-thinking. They want to further their operation. They love what we do at Extreme Ag. Then you drive by a field, because Mike Evans took a picture of it, where somebody went out and fall-tilled a 40-degree slope field, and it's all down in the ditch right now. You're like, we're talking about, like, biology under the ground and things we could do like this. This guy is still doing stuff like it's Dust Bowl era stuff. Like, they're not even anywhere close to us. Isn't it almost disgusting <laughs> that, that you're out here on it we're talking about soil health initiatives and these people down the road are still fall plowing like it's 1930 and watching the watching the field wash away yeah it's painful i call it a snurt when we get the
3: snow dirt uh filling in the ditch and everything up here when the wind blows in the winter and yeah i mean i so i've done a uh, vast majority of, of my acres have been stripped till uh, for about the last 10 years Um, I incorporate cover crop here and there where I can I'm pretty far north so I don't get the opportunity but just keeping that soil intact um, the healthier plants you raise on it the more root mass that's there can hold it intact hold it there Um, we can see I think you know it's gonna be hard to reverse it very quickly everybody debates on how quickly you can start to add organic matter and kind of flip the switch but I think there's a lot of potential to sometimes we solve for some of these big problems uh, with technology that's not profitable, right? So there might be a big initiative that comes out, whether it be some kind of a farming practice or even an approach, and it might be beneficial long-term to the environment, but it's not profitable. So I I see kind of an interesting overlap coming here with maybe technologies like like source or even just other related um, opportunities where the farmer can be profitable and then the end user and the environment also benefits. And I think that's different than where we've come from in the past, where kind of like one party
1: wins and the other one is,
3: is just kind of stuck dealing with uh, implementing the practice.
1: Kelly, did he just throw out there a, 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 win-win? Did he just say it's a win-win? What's he, what's he, is he, by the way, he, he almost should have hosted this because he's, he's got, he is, his, his uh, he's, he's almost wrapping it up here. Go ahead and tell me about the win-win Kelly, from your standpoint, by the way, how do I use this? product called source or how are you using it i don't i mean am I, am I spraying this on am i putting in my furrow what am i doing
2: there's two different application times for source uh v5 to v7 or or vt you know obviously when tassel type comes out i choose to use it at vt because that's when they're the, the biggest that's when the plant is the most hungry you know the ears filling the kernels are filling things like that and again for me for me in the hills or us in the hills here it's a it's a de facto side dress for us from a nitrogen and phosphorus standpoint.
1: So you, you're putting on, this is just getting sprayed, this is uh, dropped next to the soil? We're,
2: we're applying it with the fungicide and the plant growth regulators and the other fertility that we do when the tassel comes out.
1: It's a, it's a foliar?
2: Yep. Yes, All it's right. being applied with the airplane or the helicopter.
1: All right. And you're using this, uh, yeah, because you said at a certain point, if you go out there with equipment on your hills and your curves, you're going to just knock down half your stand. So you're going out there aerial.
2: Yes, we call it iron blight because you'd run yes. it all over. I like so, yes. it. And by the Airplane. way, and that's, and you're this using year are be a little bit of a drone.
1: You're using yes, this on corn. only on corn?
2: Uh, we, we will use it on every acre of corn, and we will continue testing on beans. Our soybean testing last year was inconclusive. Uh, my understanding is they've changed the product a little bit, and so we're going to be testing on beans again. Kevin had a, a big result in beans in, in North Carolina, and I I believe that we need to figure something out on beans. Uh, beans are a tremendous removal on nitrogen, and I, I think source, you know, this is all in theory, I think source could have a big part in our bean yields going up because of what it does with the soil biology.
1: So you think on the soybean trial that you're going to be doing, you'll be putting it on foliar. But it yep. won't be obviously flown on. You're talking about putting it on at what stage?
2: Uh, with the soybeans, probably R one or R three. But that, yes, that'll be with the ground rig. We we very much want to be out there with the ground rig because of the the water. You know, the rate of the rate of the water is so much higher that we feel that's important. So in soybeans, it'll get a We'll apply it ourselves.
1: Okay, so on corn, you're going to be putting it on. You think the the you'll use it once or twice on corn?
2: Once, once at one, BT. Then-
1: and you think at VT and it'll be flown on and that'll yep. go on with a fungicide treatment. So that when the when the aerial applicator goes over, it's going to have a fungicide. It's going to have source.
2: It'll have a fungicide. It'll have source. It'll have a stress mitigation product and probably some boron and potassium.
1: Okay. And on the soybeans, you'll be putting it on with a ground rig, a spray rig, and you're going to be doing that yep. at R1 to R3. And that's going to be with what's going to be in that mix.
2: Uh, the same as the corn, basically. It'll okay. all be the same. A, a stress mitigation product, a boron, uh potassium product, uh a plant growth regulator, all of those things will be in that in that recipe. Got it. And you're nodding your head, Jeff Diving. You approve?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want to slip in one more little subtle brag about how much your ground is worth? <laughs>
2: I do not know. To us, it. it's not a brag when you're trying to buy it, Damien. It's I know heavy the heavy problem,
1: problem is he's he's a young guy. He should be out here. He should be out here sort of subtly doing the other thing, saying, I heard there's only going to, it's going to keep going down in value. You know what? If you, get, if someone offers you 20% less than it's worth right now, you better take it because it's going to crash. That's what you should probably be doing right now, Jeff. <laughs> yeah I, I think so i felt that way until the market
3: popped a little bit today but uh, we'll, we'll see where it ends up
1: got it get me out of here jeff what do you got for me without sounding like a commercial source i think is going to be something we're going to keep an eye on we're going to listen to it from we're going to see what's happening i want to see what's happening on those soybean acres how many you're going to use it on a couple 400 500 300 how many acres Kel.
2: oh we'll use it on quite a few we'll have a few different trials yeah four or 500 acres i would say all
1: right i think that's something that we should stay tuned for what else do i need to stay tuned for from your end, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, if anybody wants to learn more,
3: we have a, a ton of information on our website. It's sound.ag, so they can find information about the product, um, you know, where to potentially buy it and just and learn a lot more about what we're up to. Uh, so I'd point them to that resource going forward.
1: Yeah, and some of the biological stuff we've talked about has to be put in the soil, and this is something you're putting on over the top. That's, this is one of the few that we're doing that way, right, Kelly?
2: Right, yes. This is a very unique product. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um, his name is Jeff Diven. If you want to learn more, go to sound. What is it? Where do I go? Dot egg. Yeah, egg. Kelly Garrett is our uh, special guest here looking, uh, looking like he does. And my name is Damian Mason, by the way, a little trivia question for you on the way out the door. Jeff talked about snert, which means when snow and dirt combine is really not dirt it's soil but snow and dirt combine and blow around in the winter time. There's a famous comic strip and the lead character in the comic strip had a dog named Snurt. name the comic strip this is going back in time a little bit right here do you know i don't hagar the horrible who was a comic strip about a viking had a dog named Snurt. so there you go a little trivia for you. you always learn something here at Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason with Jeff Gibbon and Kelly Garrett.
0: That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions,